Hit it. Tune into the manifesto hosted by Emily Wheaton, Logan Cook, and Logan Bishop. The Political Science Society's new radio cast. Catch us on local 107.3 FM and wherever you find podcasts. Hi, Logan. Good to be here. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Beautiful day here in St. John. So, I want to start talking about the, an inner city rail system in New Brunswick. I talked to David Kuhn last week about it. Mm-hmm. And he was a fan of like having a train from St. John to Farrington, Farrington to Moncton, Moncton to St. John, all that, and having, connecting them into, into like Halifax. How do you feel about New Brunswick having an inner city train system? 100%. Uh, the NDP has always been strongly in favor of public transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is it uh, better for the environment, obviously, than having a bunch of vehicles on the road, mm-hmm. but you're looking at uh, better for the financial well-being of all New Brunswickers. The cars are expensive. Paying for road maintenance <laughs> is expensive. You can you can mitigate traffic. You can mitigate costs to individuals. You can mitigate costs to the government by putting in a rail system. They're gonna balk because they say ridership is is low and it's an upfront cost, but if you have good, reliable public transportation, people use it. I'm a big fan of the idea. What's, can you move your mic a little closer? I'm not sure if you're picking up fully. Sure, is that better? Yeah, thank you. All right, no problem. Next, I, I wanna talk about the by-elections. There's by-elections, I believe the 25th. You're running in Bathurst against Susan Holt, the leader of the Liberals, you have a candidate running in Resigusheler, and you have a candidate running in Dieppe. How do you feel about the by-elections, and what is the NDP strategy to win these? So sorry about that. <laughs> I'm going to turn off all my other alarms. Just give me one moment. Um, the by-elections are actually on the 24th. 24th, my bad. No problem. Uh, advanced voting begins on the 15th. Uh-huh. If anyone up, uh, up that way cares to... Get involved in that regard. There we go. No more of that. Um, and we've got, yeah, we have three, fan, well, two fantastic <laughs> candidates and myself. Um, I know Cyprian O'Connor is running for us in Dieppe. Mm-hmm. His, his campaign is off to such an incredible start. He really is putting his all into it. He's well known for being a community uh, worker, he's mm-hmm. strong support. He is definitely. I mean, he was the he's a former president of the party. He's. Okay. I've known him for many many years. You're not going to find a kinder or more compassionate person. And his campaign is off to a roaring start. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how fast he's coming out. Alice Gagne in Rescue Scheller, dedicated youth advocate, dedicated housing advocate. He has worked with uh, Acorn. For example, in New Brunswick, he's a, a strong, strong believer in public goods and public services. Mm-hmm. And he's, his goal is to make life better. I mean, that's the goal of the NDP in general. Uh, I, of course, am running in Bathurst East, Nipisquit, St. Isidore. And our campaign up there is really focused on the the base needs of what the the people up there understand and they're looking at situations where their pediatrics uh, access is gone mm-hmm. uh, they're looking at situations where to go to the hospital sometimes it's a $500 bill to get in an ambulance oh. and go to the hospital because of the privatization of the ambulance that happened under under the, the liberals mm-hmm. Um, Serge Bideau is uh, a very interesting fellow. He's a folk singer. Uh, Susan Holt, lovely person at a liberal party. But I don't believe either of those parties have the right vision for that part of the province. Okay. Uh, I, I think we can look at 40 to 50, 60 years of rotating provincial and conservative governments and what has any of that done for that area of the province. Nothing. It's just been continual decline. Mm-hmm. 
that area of the province is full of hardworking people, dedicated people who who love where they're from, who understand the potential that is there, and they have just been let down over and over again. And you've got people with cost of living where we I talked to some people are saying, you know, my heating is five hundred dollars. Oil has gone through the roof mm-hmm. on them. Oil and oil cost. Uh, so heating is five hundred dollars. Plus groceries are up. Just as much up there, if not more, than they are down here in St. John. Um, all the necessities have, have really gone up in price. We've got situations where people are desperate and the NDP is there to tell them and to offer support and a voice to try to represent them mm-hmm. in the legislature. And that's that's my goal. I'm not... I, I understand that, you know, the, the, the conceit of being not from Bathurst and going to run there. Yeah. And... I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, oblivious to that. But the NDP, there's a real popular fellow up there named Yvonne Godin. He was an NDP MP from that region forever. Yeah. They understand that the values of the NDP match with the values of the people from that area. And we need to show them that that's true on a provincial level. Mm-hmm. And that's really my goal, to get up there and explain to them, to explain to the people there and listen to the people there and just have them come away knowing that the NDP is really trying to stand up for them, for francophone rights, for the seniors, for uh, the workers who have gone from having jobs in mines and mills to having uh, really no work at all, and many of them having to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The city is uh, five to 7,000 people less than it was at its peak right now. And it's just been continuous since uh, the seventies or eighties. It's just been dropping by by a, a regular rate. And I don't know if you've spent a whole lot of time in Bathurst yourself. Can't say I have. That it's a beautiful place. Like it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They have resources. They have uh, tourism potential. They have a port at the mouth of the St. Lawrence. They have. All of this potential, and they have just kept getting left behind a bit by successive provincial governments. And I really wanted to be able to go up there and make the case that there is a group in this province who will actively stand up for for the North Shore, for Bathurst, for any New Brunswicker and every New Brunswicker. And... That's the NDP. A, a, a term I heard from, it was uh, when I interviewed Chuck Chasson, was he called the Golden Triangle, St. John to Fredericton to Moncton. That's where all the development, all the money, all the jobs, all the investments go. It's, it's the Golden Triangle. The rest of the province suffers at the hands of the big cities. Yeah, uh, he's not wrong. He definitely isn't. The, the, the government's, the mentality behind that is what drives the economy and is those three cities yeah uh st john industrial moncton for commercial and and shipping uh and fredericton for government and services Mm -hmm. so when they're looking at investing into the economy which is the universal uh desire (laughs) of every government what will get you what will get you popularity and votes oh it's boosting the economy the provincial economy the provincial economy they Put money into those three cities in that golden triangle, like mm-hmm. you say. And then you have everywhere else in this province, towns, cities, where they don't get resources. Not only do they not get resources, those cities don't get resources to maintain their own infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I was going door-to-door in Bathurst, and I... I remember I was on a particular, one of our particular polls, and I'd say maybe not everybody, but 80% of the people whose doors I knocked on in that particular area explained they need someone to fix their roads. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong. I drove on them, <laughs> it's like driving a boat, it's just <laughs> waves. 
And they say it's just been years. And it's because whenever they ask for it to happen, whenever they try to make it happen, they're told there's no money to fix your road. And like it's it's truly, I mean, we think we have bad roads in St. John. We got some rough ones, but we don't have anything like those roads that I that I saw in that area, because St. John will eventually find the money to put into fixing them. We've got to look at the everyday lives of everybody in this province. Mm -hmm. You got what four hundred thousand people in the three big cities. Total, perhaps, if you count the outlying areas? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's so half the province. Yeah. Half the population. About a third of the territory. The rest of the province has the rest of these people who need good services. They need to be able to live their lives. And they need to be able to drive. They need to be able to afford food and afford energy. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to say, jobs are, are coming here. There's investment here. They need to be able to, to have the ability to develop and to to look at a, a place where their youth aren't all leaving, the families aren't all leaving mm -hmm. to go to Dieppe or Fredericton or St. John. They need to be able to say, our village, our home can thrive, and it's not going to go back to a, a, a ghost town. And again, we're looking at historically... That investment hasn't happened. That investment happened in Bathurst when the mines opened. Now the mines closed. Nobody cares. Not closed, I guess. It's technically open, but it's not operating. Yeah. And it's gone. It, like it, it's it's really really devastating to see. And there has to be a way that the provincial governments in New Brunswick can address this. I under there's no there's no doubt in my mind that the the parts of this province that we don't normally think of have incredible untapped potential. Mm -hmm. They have dedicated, intelligent, and passionate people living there. They have people who want to make their lives better. They have people who want to preserve their culture and their identity. And if we don't give them the means to do that. What are what does that make us? So again, it's about looking at the entire province. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at a number like the economy, oh we improve the economy. You improve the economy in three cities, like you just mm -hmm. said, in that golden triangle. And you're looking at a declining economy in places like Tracadie, in places like St. George, in places like all of these small towns and, and small cities across the province. So you can't look at a single number. You have to look at how it breaks down and find out where the problems are and work to fix them, <laughs> work to invest there and make these people have a better and and more more comfortable life you mentioned st george that's where i'm from i'm from rural charlotte county and i know how the people in Bathurst feel the government they don't they don't really care about us the roads are bad there's no the only investment there ever is the government will give a few million dollars to cook agriculture because they're the only jobs in town I saw a uh, hair number a couple weeks ago. They employ 1,050 people in Shell County. There's about 24,000 people in Shell County. That's, I can't do math right now, but that's a good amount of people that they employ because they're the only big employer left because everyone else has closed up shop and left because there's no investment. There's just no one cares about us in, the, in, the, in our rural communities in New Brunswick. And that, I mean, that's what we hear everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what. I, I'll hear that exact same story if I knock uh, in St. George or if I knock in uh, Bathurst or if I knock in Campbellton or if I go, if I go to these rural places, Miramichi, Rogersville, uh, this is what we're going to hear. We're going to hear the government doesn't care about us. They tell us they do, they get our votes, and then they don't actually deliver. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I hear that, I've heard that a lot. I've heard, 
you know, going door to door, people saying, you have a good message, but why should we believe you when every politician who comes to get our vote says the same thing, says the same thing and then doesn't deliver, and we've got higher bills and fewer young people? So the frustration is real, and it's important to acknowledge that that's there and really work to, to fix it. So we have rural New Brunswick engaged and involved and happy and prosperous. 100%. It's, it's a necessary thing. Uh, the collapse of uh, the Acadia bus lines as well, for example, mm -hmm. tragic for a lot of rural New Brunswick. They preserved that on the North Shore, not Acadia bus, but there's a bus line on the North Shore that is still existent. And speaking to people who've, who've used it to say, we needed it. If there was no bus lines, then all of a sudden these places have, you have families who can't really get to each other. You have a total collapse. And not everywhere is like St. John, Fredericton, or, or Moncton, where people probably have a vehicle or can get a ride with somebody or can hop on like a, a local bus line. Mm -hmm. I mean, this goes back to your, your comment about an intercity uh, rail program. Beautiful. But, you know, if I'm taking an intercity rail program to Fredericton, I hope there's a public bus system or something of some sort to get me from Fredericton to the outlying areas around that region. Same from Moncton. Should I, I should be able to hopefully hop on a bus and get to Shediac, you mm -hmm. know? Things like this. I really, I really believe that connectivity within the province is crucial. Um, because inside that golden triangle, you're looking at the southern part of the, of the province, effectively. Mm -hmm. So you've got the northern part and the, the farther south part where they're getting nothing. And this creates uh, divisions. And we have to be able to look at this and say, do we want to be a province of people who don't get along, who don't understand each other? Or do we want to be a province of people who can recognize that we're from the same area, we have the same experiences? Even if your family is from St. John, Moncton, or Fredericton, you go back a couple of generations. They're probably not. You're probably not. And you're, you're pro well, even if you are, you're probably not living the lifestyle that we live today. Mm -hmm. You know, that my, my, uh, my family, both of my parents were teachers. Uh, both of their parents were farmers or laborers. Mm -hmm. Both of their parents were farmers. And it, you just go back and you're looking at this rural life. So it's not like we can't empathize or, or sympathize or understand the situation in rural New Brunswick. We're looking at these places where, due to whatever quirks of history or, or choices that were made, or they just have not gotten investment by government or by, by uh, private, uh, private investment in, in recent decades. And it's travesty. We really do have to recognize that St. George and Bathurst or Trachadie and St. Stephen or Charlotte County and Edmonston are far more similar and far more related than we think they are. And we have to be able to say they deserve the same life and the same level of investment as that Golden Triangle. I, I forget who mentioned this to me. I think it was Daniel Lane when I interviewed him last week. He said the biggest divide in New Brunswick politics is not between Anglophones and Francophones. It's between rural people and the people who live in the cities. Because the people who live in the rural areas are jealous of people in the cities because they have the jobs, they have the infrastructure, they have, they have, they have the hospitals, they have it all. While people in the rural areas are lucky if the roads aren't, as you said, bad, there's full of waves and potholes. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That that's and that is the the divide, mm -hmm. and you can see it in how it shakes out in in some election areas. There, there's a lot of divisions 
the Anglophone and Francophone one is, in my mind, largely manufactured. That that is not a real division. That okay. is one. The Anglophone and Francophone division is because they tell individuals in the rural southern part of the province, even not the rural southern part of the province, but like in in the south of the province. Uh, oh, um, we have we have to invest in, in French, so we duplicate our services. And, oh, if you want to work for the government, it's a bilingual province, so you better be able to speak French. That's, mm -hmm. how, that's how you do that. And so then people in these areas feel without being able to speak French, <coughs> they can't get these higher level of jobs. And then the Francophone uh, are, are told... You don't get you. You're you're mostly rural, other than Moncton, and you don't look like you get a whole lot uh, compared to these other cities. Like you say, the division is rural and urban, mm -hmm. and there are three urban centers in this province that get all of the funding, and we just have to look at ways to provide infrastructure, to provide funding, to provide jobs these other places. There shouldn't be one employer. In St. George. But there really, there really just is? I, I know. That's, that is true, and that is not the way it should be, right? Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be one major employer in St. George. There shouldn't be a handful of uh, small, uh, small fishing operations on the North Shore. There shouldn't be these, these tiny pockets of employment, good or bad. There should be across-the-board investment, and the reluctance is if you're going to invest, especially politically, if you're going to invest into the economy, you really want to see a return before the next election. That, that, that's the mm -hmm. mentality that you have in, in government. And uh, New Brunswick, uh, there's... I forget who told me this joke, but they say New Brunswick doesn't doesn't elect who they who they want. They punish who they don't like. So yeah. uh, you get all these people who uh, if if I if they if we sink in X amount of money into the North Shore, are we going to get the economic return on that before four years from now? Right, and I understand that that mentality is. It's accurate, and it's unfortunately a product of of the electoral cycles that we currently have. Mm -hmm. But it's short-sighted, obviously. It's, by definition, short-sighted. So, yeah, investing into these other areas, looking at the benefits that a place like St. George has, or a place like Bathurst has, or Trachety, or Edmondson, or Campbellton, or... I mean, St. Stephen and St. Andrews have capitalized off of being tourist areas mm -hmm. from about April to October. And then in St. Andrews, everything shuts down. Uh, yeah. So there's like one restaurant left in the whole town. Yeah, and winter everybody hits. goes there. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. But so they, they looked at what do we have and they marketed off of that. But it's not sustainable. To, it's not, it doesn't promote growth, really, to have one sector of your economy functioning in a certain area. If, if governments want to say that they're promoting growth, and they all do, they all do. They want to grow the economy, they want to grow the population, they want to grow the, the uh, standard of living, they want to grow all of it. Hmm. What they really have to look at is a way to do that. And... The way to do that is not to invest in one particular part of a region's economy. It is to maybe make that a strength, but build up the rest of it, really to invest. And cities, I mean, cities try. Like, cities do their very best, but they need provincial support. Mm -hmm. They do. They need, they need true provincial support, direct support. To, to grow these things. We have opportunities in New Brunswick. They do great work. We have uh, Alcoa. 
they do great work. But it's not panning out. It's not panning out for these smaller communities. Mm -hmm. Not yet. I don't know what their, their future plans may be. I'm not part of those organizations. But we're looking at a situation where the government can choose to invest. Mm -hmm. The government can do that. They don't want to. Government spending is, is frowned upon. Instead, they want to funnel it through nonprofit organizations or governmental organizations at arm's length mm -hmm. because then it's not direct spending, right? It's we gave uh, Envision St. John X amount of money and Envision spends it where they, where they feel that they should. We give ONB X amount of money and that gets spent. The government can directly invest in these places. There are means to do it, whether it's through these other organizations or not. And we have to look at all possible options in order to fix the economic woes of really geographically the majority of the province. We have to be able to look at what we can do better. And we have to stop being in this holding pattern Mm -hmm. of ship out resources, invest in three cities, and attract, hopefully, uh, bilingual companies to Moncton and the northern part of the province. Because it's just not panning out. And there's a lot more we can do, and we have to try. Um, you talked about government spending, so this will go to my next question, which, which is about the budget. The budget was introduced. <laughs> I saw that eyeball. People listening, that eyeball was great. Um, the finance minister introduced the budget about, about, what, three weeks ago now? Just about, yeah. What did you see in the budget that you were a fan of, and what do you think was missing from the budget? What was missing from that budget <laughs> was any actual attempt to address the problems. Okay. Everything was little addressing symptoms. Mm -hmm. Symptoms of problems. And that's where they spent money. They'll, they'll, they'll talk a, a huge game about how much money they spent, but they gave more money to silviculture trees, for example, than they gave to <laughs> supporting immigration into this province. <laughs> Per, per, yeah. like per, a tree is worth more than an immigrant at, at this point. Uh, we're, ta we're looking, the big investment, the big one that, they, that came out was they invested heavily into police because police and, and justice, because crime rates have been rising. And rather than actually looking at the, the problems, like why is that happening? What can we do to stop this? Mm -hmm. the, what we can do to stop it is to get more frontline police officers. Don't get me wrong. I think the police are necessary, and in terms where there's high rates of violent crime, I feel like that's a, like a, a perfectly reasonable investment. But you don't get better if you're ill by you know, patching up uh, a wound or taking a, a pill to fix your headache if you've got chronic migraines, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not how you fix that. You find out what the problem is, and you address that. No healthcare spending, really. They, they say it was a big number, but it doesn't, it doesn't even equal the amount that they got transferred from the federal government. The provincial government is not willing to spend on your health. Mm -hmm. They, before the pandemic, they shut down emergency rooms entirely. Just shut some of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them managed to stay open part-time. During the pandemic, because, like that exacerbated the problems because things got backed up. But now we live in a province where people are dying in the hospital waiting room. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think I had literally ever heard of that in my life until this year. Never. Never. But people are dying. Hospitals are understaffed, underfunded, under-resourced. And their solution is to not equal the money that the federal government gave for, for spending. There, it, it's, it's very difficult for me to understand that sort of a decision. They, the budget was full of very small investments into things that would be popular among the general population at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It sounds like mm -hmm. a lot. We're going to invest, uh, what was it? I believe it was $800,000 into mental health. So, so much money. Uh, I, I could be off on that number, but it basically came down to, uh, we're going to give eight to 10 other towns in this province the ability to have a mental health practitioner, maybe two. That's not an investment into mental health. That's not an investment into the well-being of the people in this province. I was sitting in the balcony and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it as I heard these things come out. Uh, we're we're going to invest in X amount into, into tourism. Okay, great. It's not, it's not as much as you think it is. Mm -hmm. It's the, the bulk of it really was, really was... Policing, and they gave a big number for healthcare, but they included the federal money in that. This this government is not focused on improving your actual life, as far as as I and the NDP can tell. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just another another example. And this, it wasn't from the budget. I, I apologize. This will go off topic. I'll, I'll mention this one later. I won't do that. Um, but what what have we heard for for a healthcare plan from the Liberal Party? We've heard community health centers. Do you know how long we've heard community health centers from the Liberals? A long time. A long time. And it's never happened. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be what we want. I am in favor of, of a thing similar to community health centers. But in my opinion, community health centers should include dental care, vision care, mental health, mm -hmm. diet Diet assistance, for example, uh, free ambulance rides if necessary, pediatric access. There's a whole bunch of things we could do in a community health center that will benefit everybody, but it would require people taking a different approach to, to healthcare in this province. It would require things like with the stroke of a pen saying Clinic 554 is a publicly funded clinic mm -hmm. and able to provide health access to people. It's not just a, a reproductive health center. It is that, and that's great. I should be able to go there. You should be able to go there. Anybody should be able to go there and have, have, you know, have, have access to that sort of care. But it's also got doctors. Mm -hmm. There are 90,000 people in this province without a doctor. 90,000 people. And they're not bringing more doctors into this province. They're losing doctors. They're losing doctors. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're losing doctors. Every doctor who shuts down practice probably served 5,000 people. Yeah. So when I look at a budget where they say we're investing not as much as the federals are giving us into healthcare, that's it's a slap in the face. Like I can't I can't think of any other way to describe it other than we don't care about you. We don't. They don't they do not care about your health. They do not care to make the investment into 
healthcare. They do not care to make the investment even into the economy. They do not care to make the investment into looking at what's going on to cause problems. They just say we want the problems to go away. And that is, again, short-sighted mm-hmm. and... It's really disappointing. You think that when you elect a government, they're going to do what is best for everybody. And you believe that they're going to do it. And you believe. And you believe. And I have believed for 30, 40 years almost that that was going to be the case. That sometime there would be a government who was directly and overtly in favor of improving everything in this province for everyone. And it has not happened. And, I mean, they say that as you get older, you become more Mm right-wing. I have been with the NDP (laughs) since I was a teenager, and it is not going to change anytime soon. Because the other parties do not have a plan to make things better. They have their regular standards of operating where we see conservative priorities in the budget, justice. That's it. And they have uh, their, their own ways of operating under a liberal government, which usually winds up being indirect donations to corporations or businesses. Uh, subsidies. Mm-hmm. And this province has had enough subsidies to companies. This province has had enough subsidies where we're paying companies. We, the taxpayers, are paying these people to stay in business mm-hmm. and then we pay them for what they're doing. And then we, we pay for their products. We support them. We pay for their infrastructure. And subsidies... <laughs> Or are just, or or tax uh, tax discounts. It's impossible to look at the decades of that happening and think, yeah, this is a great path that we should continue down. It's definitely working out for New Brunswick. <laughs> I really, I can't figure it out. It it blows my mind every time. Mm-hmm. And the NDP is, it's the party that that has a plan to stop these things, it has a plan to look at the entirety of the situation and address what we can to improve things for people from St. Stephen to Edmonston and Bathurst to St. George. I mean, like, it's... Why shouldn't you? It's the moral thing to do. It's also the smart thing to do if you want to improve the province, if you want to improve this place, make people want to come here, make people want to do business here, make things better economically, population-wise, demographic-wise, environmentally. You help this by investing and doing what you should do to make life here better. And it's, it's... it's a very clear it's a very clear blind spot in the the approaches that that the governments that this province has already had have taken and it's something that I really really wish we t- we can rectify as soon as possible I want to talk about the premier's relationship with the unions the NDP is generally or historically a very union party the premier has Really, the word I'm going to say, I can't say on radio, <laughs> but the Premier has not had a relationship with the unions. QP went on strike, I believe, last year. The nurses almost went on strike. The teachers are, are talking about going on strike. What can be done to make sure that both the government and the unions are coexisting happily? You have to have a government that wants to coexist happily true, with the unions. True. You don't. You don't. The, uh, you're... I know what you were going to say, yeah. uh, that you can't say on radio, and I would love to say it too, but I think that would probably be a bad idea. So here's the situation. There's actually a rally in Bathurst today by teachers, mm-hmm. um, which I, I'm in St. John. I can't attend, but I, I have uh, sent Alice Gagne, the candidate for Mestigouche, with some remarks on my behalf. We need 
it, it, it blows my mind. Because in this province, you've got four parties. And I, let, me, let me really lay out the approach and relationship that the unions have with these four parties. At least as I see it, and as how I've, I've understood what people have told me. <laughs> the Conservative Party, evident. I'm not even, I won't even talk about these strikes or, or lockouts or whatever. I'm going to just talk about Bill 23, C23, that they put out. Are you familiar with the bill? Isn't it, I like to call it the union busting bill? It is the union busting uh, bill. It yeah. is the we love scabs bill. Yeah. It is the bill that says if you are a public employee and you go, and you go on strike, we are pre-authorizing ourselves to call you an essential employee and hire scabs. There were only two parties who said that they would get rid of that legislation if they were in government. It was not the Liberals. The Greens and the NDP committed to removing that legislation. The Liberals pre- the, the Liberals will act like they support public unions or unions okay. in general. But look around. Uh, do union jobs here seem to have thrived under any of the recent governments? Nope. Exactly. The NDP is, and in my fervent hope, will always be the party of labor. Mm-hmm. It is an organization where the workers of this province and in Canada, the workers in this country can look to us to be their voice in government. We have to, we have to acknowledge, you know, this doesn't just include unionized workers, obviously. That's why we, we really approach everything, but unions and the NDP are intrinsically linked. Like you said, historically, and forever have been intrinsically linked. We are Labour's party. We are Labour's voice to, to take to government. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that support from any of the other parties. I've met with Labour representatives um, very recently. Uh, I know that QP in New Brunswick has their convention next week in, uh, in Moncton. I wish them all the best, and uh, I'm sure that they'll have a very successful convention. The NDP will have a presence there, because we have been permitted to to be there. Because Mm -hmm. the unions recognize that NDP is is their, their party, their representatives. And you're going to have this because... It's in it's in our it's in our constitution as a party that we are the voice of labor in this province. You're watching the conservative government attack unions. We're hearing the liberal government not commit to helping unions. And we're seeing with the Green Party, for example, they're not committed to unions either. They're perhaps anti this particular legislation, mm-hmm. but they're not anti privatization. They have been noted as being in favor of some privatization. Maybe not in, for example, healthcare or certain areas like this. I'm not entirely familiar with their whole platform. Mm-hmm. Not, that's not my party. Uh, but they are uh, in favor of privatization in, in some aspects. We're not. Privatizing public goods is a travesty. It's a terrible thing to do. The last liberal government sold off $600 million of public assets by privatizing it. That doesn't sound like anybody who's really in favor of public unions or public goods to me. Mm-hmm. Right? We're l- the NDP is the voice of labor. The NDP is the voice of every worker in this province. I've only been lucky enough to have an actual unionized job once in my life. It was my first ever job. 
And I can tell you whether I was part of the unionized workplace or not, I have never doubted for a second that the NDP was the party that would represent my, my needs, mm-hmm. my values, and work to make my life better. And I, I've been really doing my very best to re-emphasize the New Democratic Party's connections with Labour because they need a political voice and they offer us so much. So 100%, the NDP is the party of Labour and as far as I'm concerned, it always will be. Let's talk about the party. The party has not had a sitting MLA in New Brunswick since 2005 when Elizabeth Weir resigned. In 2020, the party fielded 33 candidates, got less than 2% of the vote, worth showing since 1967. What will you do as leader to help rejuvenize the party and bring back voters, supporters, and win more seats in the legislature? Excellent question. So we just talked about how I was trying to reconnect <laughs> with labor very, very directly. Um, I really think that's, that's a base that was unfortunately harmed during the tenure of some previous uh, leaders in, in the party. We have had a long, long road to rebuild any sort of trust among, mm-hmm. among unions and, and labor. But people are getting fed up. They really are. Uh, to an extent that I haven't seen before, um, going door to door, people are recognizing what has really changed for their lives. What has improved in their lives? Uh, cost of living hasn't gotten better. Um, jobs haven't really gotten better. There's more jobs in some aspects, but are they the jobs that people deserve to have here? Right? We're looking at the NDP, of course, we, 2020, you know, you pointed it out yourself, not, not a banner year yeah. for the NDP. The COVID election was part of that. It was, very, it was very difficult with six months into the pandemic to find people willing to go be a candidate, especially the NDP, because we were very aware and very conscious of the the dangers of COVID, and we made that mm-hmm. that, that was a that was a, a main policy that we would speak about during the entirety of the pandemic, and we still speak about it. Um, and so we, it, there was there was difficulty in that regard. There's been a bit of a bit of rejuvenation within the party. There's been a a change of mentality. I feel. Uh, Groups of people, when you go through a, a trying time like 2020 was for the NDP, uh, it can be disheartening. It can, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, I went through it, so I can tell you for sure. Uh, it was a disheartening moment. But we're looking at a, a province now where it's become clear. It's become really clear that... The main two parties do not have your best interest at heart. They're relying on historical vote, effectively. We're looking at a province where unions are beginning to be rejuvenated. You, you, you talked about all the, the labor movements that are going on. Uh, there was the, the QP strike. There's the teachers. There's nurses union that was almost on strike. Increased realization by these groups of what's going on has made it an easier road for the NDP to reconnect mm-hmm. with, with these groups and to present the fact that we're on the same side, that we're, we're the, the party to, to really take your interest to government. And you're getting to the point where these unions are recognizing that the other parties aren't doing that for them. And, but it's not just about unions. It really isn't. We are historically the party of labor, and mm-hmm. like I say, we always will be. But we're looking at a situation where minimum wage just went to 1475. 
The call for minimum wage to be $15 is 10 years old. We haven't even reached it now. Yeah, haven't even reached it. If you look at the Human <clears throat> Development Council, they put out the, uh, what a living wage would be in each of the cities every year. Mm-hmm. A living wage in the cities around here is roughly $21 to $22 an hour. And that's not for one person to support a family. That's for two workers working full-time to support a family with two kids. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that to that point. You don't have, there's no support for it. The, the inflationary rate alone, people say, oh, that, that's not in our control. We can't deal with that. You absolutely can deal with that. Mm-hmm. There are mechanisms that government has in its control to do what it needs to do to make life easier. So the fact is, the NDP, in my opinion, is the party of students. We do believe education should be free. Uh, the party of workers, all workers. I don't care if you make fourteen seventy-five or 40 bucks an hour. We're the ones who are going to advocate for your rights, your protection, your health, your safety, and we're going to do it as a block. We're going to go for it. We're going to represent you. Mm-hmm. We advocate for, of course, the unions, but I worked in enough call centers in my life in this city that that's where I saw people who really needed us. Mm-hmm. And that's who I'm going to always, always think about. I'm going to think about labor. I'm going to think about the people who are not fortunate enough to have a union environment. And I'm going to think about small business. Small businesses are also really struggling under the last couple of couple of years, but even beyond that. I'm an NDP guy, but my family has been involved in small business historically for generations. I'm aware of, of the challenges there, and I'm not, there's no demonization here. By no means do I saying I support workers, so I demonize small business. Mm-hmm. 100%, that's not the case. They need support. I mean, if, if you and I were to walk out of here and open up a small restaurant where we sold ice cream floats or something, mm-hmm. and we're struggling because we can't get support, and we're watching all of the investment go to a few larger companies, then we're in the same boat. Like we're we're in the same position. Minorities have a home with the NDP. Whether that be visible minorities, LGBTQIA2S plus, uh, whether that be um, anybody with disabilities, the NDP has a spot for you. We have our own, we have caucuses for all of these groups where these groups can bring their policy ideas to the party entirely. It has been, I mean, you're not wrong about the difficult time we've had, but we're looking at a, a point now where people are finally realizing and understanding that the status quo isn't going to work for them anymore. Mm-hmm. And the NDP, we have a spot for you. We have the ability to, to take your voice to government and make your lives, the lives of your friends and the lives of your families, better. Um, well, let's talk about the rent cap. Province introduced it to big fanfare last year, I think about like May or June of last year, big fanfare saying this will help the renters of the province come December. They're like, oh, we don't need it anymore. It's, it's hurting investment. Rents aren't going up as much as people think they are. And basically, screw renters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, terrible to get rid of that rent cap. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's been removed, I've heard of more than one instance where the rents have gone up by 50%. percent mm-hmm. uh, Rent cap, in my opinion, is necessary. Um, 
uh, the NDP would implement a rent cap as well. When it came in, it was great. The, inf the data that came out, by the way, they said it was hurting investment into, into building. Untrue. <laughs> it, was, it was a misreading of the data. It actually didn't hurt new constructions at all. It protected renters. Mm -hmm. It protected the landlords as well. I mean, if you have a rent cap, then you have a situation where you know that if you have a poor tenant who's going to badmouth you, you can say, no, that didn't happen. Legally, I didn't raise your rent 15%. That's mm -hmm. not possible. But renters... <laughs> My last apartment in St. John was a two-bedroom apartment, which cost me $850 a month. That was in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been some changes since then uh, in, in my personal life, but that apartment is no longer $850 a month. You won't find... I don't think you'll find... As even just a one-person apartment in the city for eight fifty a month. If you do, it's either in a really bad condition, or the landlords are really bad landlords. Exactly. This, it, it's not feasible. Mm -hmm. um, part of it, of course, was uh, property companies from other provinces buying buildings here and applying rents because mm -hmm. they're trying to make a buck. Part of it is converting long-term units into short-term units for Airbnbs, uh, both of which, terrible. Mm -hmm. Like It's terrible. The, the government has the ability to put a rent cap back in place, and they should, and in my opinion, they must. You're looking at, we, we're hearing constantly people who are renovicted from their place. Oh, we're going to renovate it. And then they jack their rents up so that person can't afford to go back there, mm -hmm. right? We're hearing about um, uh, actually a member of the party was in his old apartment, left. Uh, apparently, since he left his apartment, they changed the floors and they put a, a coat of paint on and their rent went up by 50%. And that's the only change that was done. It just looks nicer. It, it looks nicer. And again, this is another, another instance where government has really said to the bulk of people in this province, whether you're renters or, or even if you're looking to buy a home, because they're not helping out with that either. Mm -hmm. Right? I was, uh, I was about to buy a home in 2020. Uh, I had, my offer had just been accepted. Some shenanigans happened that I wind up falling through. I went to look at how much that home was eventually bought for 50% more than the offer that I made that was accepted. Mm -hmm. And it was done two months later. Like, so renters, not only can you, can they not help you afford to buy a house, but they can't even help you, you to afford your own rent. You got people who are spending, I mean, they say you should spend 30% of your money on rent, 30% of your income after taxes. I don't think that's the situation for a lot of people mm -hmm. in this in this province. You're looking at places where I know people who are now paying 50, 60% of their take home money in rent. Combine that with the inflation in food or gas. I don't I don't know how people do it. I I mean I I'm not without my own struggles, but I'm lucky enough that I, I don't have all of that happening to me at once. Rent cap was a great idea. Bring it back. If you're going to talk about doing public housing, what you do is you actually build public housing. Mm -hmm. That's not what happened. They, they did not agree to, to do that when they reinvigorated the public housing program. There are ways to fix these problems. And you have to demand of your government these solutions. Um, 
a question that I ask all my guests, which I don't know how many there is now, a few, is their thoughts on first past the post and changing the electoral system to something more proportional. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> the NDP has, for a long time, championed proportional representation. Mm-hmm. True proportional representation. Um, first past the post is an outdated electoral system. Mm-hmm. It is in use in three countries, uh, us, the U.S., and England. I think we can probably do something better. I think we can look at ways to change it. I mean, we also support, for example, lowering the voting age to uh, 16 is one of our other policies. But proportional representation, again, you know, I'm a hopeful guy. So when the liberals were elected to the federal government, on the backs of two promises. And one of those promises was proportional representation. Yeah. I had hope. I, as did I. Everyone did. So, in case some people aren't aware of what went down. The promise was proportional representation. A committee was put together to study which proportional representation method would be best. That committee found that ranked ballot was not the best way to do it. And immediately the liberals said we're not doing it. And I want to explain why. And this is really important because they're going to talk about it again eventually. And whether it's my party, liberals, or whatever, a ranked ballot choice means you put your first, second, third, fourth choices, mm-hmm. or first, second, third choices, whatever your situation may be. Uh, whichever, if somebody who has uh, first doesn't have a majority, they get tossed off the ballot. Then your vote goes, is transferred to your second choice. The second choice of any conservative voter is probably going to wind up being Liberal Party. And the second, and the second choice of most NDP voters uh, is probably going to wind up being Liberal Party. So, the federal Liberals wanted the result of this consultation to be a system where they would have an incredible stranglehold. This is un, unacceptable. Uh, it is not true proportional representation. A true proportional representation would be where the percentage of votes given to each party means they get that percentage of seats mm-hmm. in the legislature. That's all there is to it. That, that's how you do it. And 100%, the NDP, don't take my word on it, we, we do have policy on, on this sort of thing, and I am not an expert in electoral law, but the NDP is 100% committed to bringing in proportional representation. We would do so, I'm confident we would do so on a, on a federal level, and I know we would do so on a provincial level. Because your vote should matter. Your vote should matter. And in mm-hmm. the system we have now, most of your votes wind up not mattering that's not that's not right if you want to live in a democracy your vote should count no matter what it is so i really urge people to at least read up on proportional representation at least understand what this issue is it is one that is near and dear to my heart if you couldn't quite tell that uh this is a crucial one and it will do nothing but make our democracy healthier it will do nothing but make governments more accountable to the voters. Please, take that one in mind. This question I'm going to ask, and if you don't want the answer to be recorded, I will cut it out. What do you think of the federal NDP party? I will give you part of my answer which can be aired, uh-huh. part of my answer which can't be aired. Uh-huh. Uh, the part of my answer which can be aired is that the New Brunswick NDP is a branch of the federal party. Um, the New Brunswick NDP is in line with 
most of the policies of the federal party, if not all. Uh, we support the action they've gotten on dental care. We support the action they've been able to take on uh, moving pharmacare forward. Mm -hmm. We support the fact that they've been able to hold uh, the Liberals' party's feet to the fire and mm -hmm. gain these changes for average Canadians, 100 percent. We've been here an hour and ten minutes. I do think it might be time to bring it to a close. Sure, absolutely. Uh, do you have anything you want to say to the people listening to this? Yeah, I do. Um, I want you all to think about how you value your lives and the lives of the people around you. I want you to think about what would really make those lives better. And I want you to understand that what will make those lives better is something that the NDP is going to fight for. Mm -hmm. Whether you want education to be free as it should be, whether you want environmental concerns taken seriously as they should be, whether you want a space for minorities or whether you want to preserve your culture or whether you think we would benefit from newcomers or whether you think everyone can benefit from improved working conditions or whether you think unions are the best. We've got, we've got a spot for you to really look at what would make life better. And I would really encourage you, if, if any of your listeners are in the, uh, the writings where the by-elections are happening, you can always contact the NDP. You don't even have to join. You can contact us. Our general email is info at nbndp.ca. You can contact us. We're always willing to have new members, new volunteers, uh, any any sort of thing like that. Please, I mean, if you, even if you just have questions, reach out to us. We will get back to you. We will do whatever we can to to prove to you that we are the party of all New Brunswickers. And thank you very much for having me on, Logan. Thank you for taking time to do this, Alex. Uh, this has been the Manifesto. I'm your host, Logan. Today, my guest is Alex White, leader of the NB New Democratic Party. Thank you for listening.